toes during the course of Behind the Web this evening. I can promise you that. And, you know, we are celebrating 50 years of basketball at the Robin Center. I'm not sure we have seen a game anything like the one we saw Saturday night when Richmond rallied from 19 down to beat Toledo at the Robin Center, 72-69. Welcome to Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street in Short Pump. Great crowd in the house tonight, standing room only crowd in the house tonight, so we appreciate that. Bob Blackwood, Spider Head Coach Chris Mooney, and our special player guest, the special guy is here tonight. It was his night Saturday when he stole the show. He will headline the show tonight for us. Jacob Gilliard will join us in the middle segments. Chris, good evening. Congratulations. I uh, hope you and the guys have caught your breath from the wild ones saturday night thanks bob yeah what a what an amazing what an amazing game where we're trying to figure out if we've been part of part of a game like that uh i don't think quite i mean the to get up to 19 the deficit to get to 19 is 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 pretty high in the second half so uh just you know incredibly exciting game for sure you know, our old athletic director, Jim Miller, always used to say to me, when somebody said, I have good news and I have bad news, give me the bad news first so I know what I'm dealing with, and then give me the good news. So let's start with the bad news. How did it get to minus 19? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, we, we didn't play well, obviously, in the first half. I thought Toledo really attacked us uh, to, to open the game. You know, a lot of uh, I said afterwards, if we had, you know, if we played them again on Sunday, the game would have a totally different feel from, you know, beginning, middle, and end, and that's the way basketball is. And, um, you know, but they, they, but energy has a lot to do with that and mindset, and they really attacked us uh, and played great in the first half. You know, they doubled, dug in on the post and doubled the post. We had a we had a pretty good size advantage. Uh, now, of course, we've seen that dozens and dozens of times and it this one you know in particular gave us a little bit of trouble we shot the ball very poorly in the first half um we took a lot of threes for us for sure uh, and we didn't shoot particularly well um and then defensively we were we, we felt like we were maybe a step slow they're, they're a really good team but felt like we were a step slow and the combination of shooting so poorly uh, them having great energy right at the beginning of the game and and being a step slow on defense you know that's a recipe to, to not be able to compete with a really good team and all those things showed up and uh, put us in a in a tremendous hole at halftime but then to the good it gets to 19 a minute minute and a half into the second half and the simple answer is to say well when you make eight three-pointers you have a chance to get back in the game but it had to be more than that although that obviously was the impetus yeah for sure I, I think that um you, you know, we pressed, and, and I've, I felt like uh, for a while, probably a lot to do with when, when Jacob got here, we've been a good pressing team. Uh, and we don't press a ton, and, you know, my opinion is maybe that's why we're a pretty good pressing team because it's not, it's not always. Um, but the press did cause some direct turnovers, uh, and then it also fed to us, you know, having some more energy, we were able to cycle in guys, uh, and then the, the game got more open for us. So, um, you know, we were so committed to throwing the ball inside in the first half, uh, knowing or anticipating they would double and, you know, keep the ball moving around and throw it back inside. Uh, in the second half, we were, we were just playing so aggressively at both ends. Uh, and, of course, we did make the shots, which, which is, the bit, you know, the, the most important part. But I thought the pressure, the pace of the game, and the energy – uh, and the crowd, uh, you know, that's that was uh, an incredible crowd for students. You know, we're, we're still in finals. Um, 
And so for, for there hardly to be any students there and the arena to be that loud and um, energized was incredible. And, you know, th- those things really help. So, uh, but yeah, I would say the energy and pace, the pressure uh, and, the, and the shooting was all, were all really critical. Uh, Jacob Gilliard was a headline. Tyler Burton was a headline. But I don't think we could have pulled this off without the supporting cast of guys like Nick Sherrod and Connor Crabtree. For sure. You know, those guys are, are very good players. They've played a lot of college basketball. Um, and, you know, Nick was the only one who shot well in the first half, yeah. uh, which, you know, every, every point matters. Uh, but, yeah, I thought Nick was terrific. I thought Crab was really, really good, um, and and yeah, exactly. The the depth of our team is, I think, is going to be a strength throughout the season, uh, and it certainly was the other night. And in that kind of game, it's going to be. You know, uh, I don't know if Jacob came out. Well, I, I should. I know Jacob didn't come out in the second half. I'm not sure if Tyler did, but if he did, it was for a brief stay. But everybody else was rotating in and out, so you can can you know you can keep up that intensity. Uh, you know, now again with. They called a couple of timeouts during the during the course of the run, um, so the, all of those things contribute to keeping guys fresh and energized. But m- most significantly, the crowd. Uh, but yeah, Crab and and Nick Isaiah, I thought were all terrific. Glad you mentioned Isaiah. He was certainly next on my list. And while I know it's a team effort to shut down a prolific scorer, here we go again. I mean, the numbers two for twelve look pretty familiar again because that's what A.J. Green was for uh, Northern Iowa on Sunday. And here comes another 21-point-per-game score in Ryan Rollins Saturday night, and he finishes 2 for 12 and only 5 points. How does this consistently keep happening, Coach? Well, hopefully it's, be, you know, hopefully it's uh, because of our team defense and Isaiah's uh, you know, competitiveness and defensive ability. Uh, now, I'm sure a little bit of us, the timing and, and when guys have big games, but you know, it's something we really uh, have focused on since since we've been here is really trying to, you know, take away the best player or, or at least make it extremely difficult for the best player. Uh, and, of course, we had different guys on him. I- Isaiah has been great, and, um, you know, he, he's, he has a chance to be an elite defender, and I think he's taking those steps. Uh, and then we had different guys on him, and, of course, Jacob was on him on the, on the final possession. I'm sure we have that highlight and strips the ball, and I think, you know, that helps because – uh, he hasn't gone against Jacob and, and been uh, stripped earlier in the game necessarily. Uh, but, but being able to have different guys who can guard him with, you know, some guys with length, some guys with some guy with quickness, uh, some guy who has a, a unique ability to steal the ball, uh, you know, I think that re- that's where our depth also shows up. And, uh, you know, with the return of Andre, uh, even more so hopefully. Uh, let's uh, let's go inside the huddle on those last two plays, but you're right. Coming up after the break when Jake joins us, you'll hear the, the highlights of both both steals in the last 10 seconds. Let's start with that, that first one. Uh, what's going on inside your huddle at that point? I, I think everybody in the building knew Ryan Rollins was going to have the ball in his hands, whether he was actually going to take the shot or not, because he's a really good passer too. Yeah. Oh, by the way, what yeah. was kind of the defensive game plan there other than say, Jacob, go steal the ball? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, we took Grant out of the game and went with a smaller lineup so that we could switch everything. Um, and as it turned out, it, it, there, you know, when, when Rollins finally had the ball and was, was going to make his move, it was a one-on-one move with, with, without a ball screen. Uh, so that, that, you know, that didn't render it moot, but, but we, we had gone small and, and a, we were up two. The biggest thing we were saying is don't give up a three, that if um, 
I think by that point we, they were in the penalty. There were a couple possessions earlier where we where we took a foul uh, because they weren't in the penalty to try to have a maybe right before that we took a foul. Yeah, so that um, so that they so that we maybe have a sense of what they were going to try to do uh, to be able to guard it. And so and Grant was in, and then there was a timeout, and we subbed Grant out so we could switch everything. And then when Rollins went for it, we our, our biggest thing was not to give up a three. That if if they gave up the two to tie the game, there would be plenty of time um, to come down. We've practiced those situations. We 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 would we like what we would we would get there. Um, but don't give up a three. You know, don't don't take a chance on trying to deflect the ball. Uh, you know, if there's a drive, don't don't let them just kick it out for an open three. So we were trying to stay attached to our men as best as we could um, as as Rollins went into his one-on-one move. All right, how about the uh, last one with 2.5 seconds to go? And what was going on in that huddle? And what were you expecting Toledo to do? Yeah, so uh, we took a timeout when we saw they uh, their setup. Um, we had plenty of timeouts left, Bob. You know, we have a couple thousand. <laughs> <laughs> you you use them judiciously, Coach. So, uh, so you think we, there's too many timeouts, huh? I think there are far too many. Far timeouts, too many yeah. timeouts. Well, especially in the last two minutes of the game, there's always uh, checking the clock and the camera and the video. So, yeah, I think that there are far too many timeouts. Okay. Personally, anyway. Um, so. We we let we kind of saw what they set up. Again, we were in a we had a lineup out there that could switch every screen, uh, and we told Nate, you know, originally maybe to guard the ball, and then we moved him back after they saw him on the ball, just to play center field and, you know, kind of have him be at the depth of the of the nearest Toledo player. Uh, most teams throw the ball into the middle of the court, you know, and whether he passes it out from there or not, and the kid actually made a great pass because. Isaiah played the ball, and and it was over Isaiah's head, but into Shoemate's hand, over Isaiah's hands, into Shoemate's hands. Uh, so the, that's a quite a pass. Yep. Uh, and then of course Jacob, who had been a player above that, or or on this on our side of half court, went in and knocked the ball away, and uh, so they didn't even get a shot. Amazing play. Was he even supposed to be there on that play? It just seems like Jacob, you know, has the yeah. knack for where the ball is going to be. Was he kind of your? center fielder who could go wherever the ball was going well no not necessarily uh nate was a center fielder but you know i told him he, he's not allowed to go outside because sometimes if a guy pump fakes and and you move the, the center fielder too far so we kind of just told nate to be right in the middle of the floor again a lot of times the passes go there um and then uh, we told the other guys to play the ball don't get stuck behind you know the, re- the receiver of the, mm. of the pass but Jacob was on the guy who was, you know, say 15 feet behind Shoemate and was able to go and, and just poke the ball away without them even getting a shot. Wow, incredible. Really, really good stuff. Uh, I'll take a break here in just a moment. One last thought just on the overall nature of the game because it felt like a March game again, Coach, and I know that's why it was on the schedule. But, again, for our fans who, who don't know, just kind of reiterate how this series kind of came about because it's really been good. The NIT game was emotional and really good, and this game was, and I know there's one more to yeah. come on the road next year, right? Yeah, and uh, next year uh, we'll, we'll go back. Uh, so I've known their coach for a long time. He's, he's been a head coach for a long time. They've been a great program. Um, and we've recruited Ohio, not very successfully, but we've recruited Ohio and run into Toledo. And uh, he just texted me about a week after the NIT game uh, to say if we'd be interested in playing. And, uh, you know, we have to – we don't have to, but we have a – uh, a company that we check and we they they predict the team's NET and the 
the strength of their schedule and traditionally how they do. And we did that, and I texted them right back. And I mean, we agreed to the game in 20 minutes. Uh, so never before done. Never before done. Usually, <laughs> it's a couple of months. So that that was that was great. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll be looking forward to the game next year because, like I said, they're they're a, they won their conference championship last year. I think they'll have a great chance to win it this year. Just a, a perennial, really good team. All right, that's a good background on the game. Uh, let's take a timeout. When we come back, yes, we will relive the two key steals at the end of the game, and we'll hear from the guy who made the steals his night, Saturday night, at the Robbins Center. We're thrilled to have Jacob Gilliard with us tonight here at World of Beer. Take our first timeout. Behind the web, 1061 ESPN, your home of the Spider Sports Network. When buying or selling, the timeout's over. Now, more Behind the Web from World of Beer in Short Pump on 1061 ESPN and the Spider Sports Network. Ryan Rowland to the basket. Gilliard steals the ball. Jacob Gilliard steals the ball. The NCAA's all-time steals leader with another clutch steal. What a great steal. Unbelievable. Dennis's baseball pass to Shoemate, who has it stripped by Jacob Gilliard. Another tremendous play by Jacob Gilliard. Jacob Gilliard with his fourth and fifth steals of the game. Impact it and give the Spiders the victory. And with that as a way of introduction, we welcome the NCAA's all-time Division I career steals leader, Jacob Gilliard, to World of Beer and Behind the Web. Never get tired of the applause, do you, Jacob? Uh, make you me a little nervous. They make me a little make comfortable. A little nervous. All right, take us through the two plays, Jacob. Let's cut right to the chase here. Uh, Coach Mooney gave us kind of the X's and O's and what was going on in the huddle. What was going on in your mind? Let's start with the first one when you go mano a mano with uh, Ryan Rollins. Um... You know, it was, I he dribbled up the court and looked at the coach and looked like he wanted to call a timeout, and the coach kind of waved him off and just said, everybody else, go low. And I figured it was just going to be, you know, one-on-one with me and him, and obviously it's a tough situation for any defender, but um, I figured his best shot was pulling up for three, and once I realized he was going to the cup, uh, it was going to be tough for him. And that is something you did here in that timeout huddle, right, was prevent the three at all costs. Yeah, so I was listening to what coach was talking about. He was actually talking about the play before that, um, the sequence before actually called a foul on Nate. Nate played really good defense. Uh, I think they bailed the guy out on a little floater. Um, he ended up missing both free throws. Um, but, yeah, our plan was to, to try and prevent threes. Uh, you know, don't, don't give anybody a wide-open shot and just kind of make it tough. Um, but, yeah, the goal was to, you know, make him shoot a, a tough mid-range shot. Justice was served on that one because that was not a foul on Nathan Kale and the guy who's an 82% free throw shooter missed two free throws. I said that, Chris, not you. I can say, yeah, your lips are still not moving. <laughs> that wasn't the only call, but that was certainly one of them. But at least justice was served on uh, on that one. You know, you were asked about favorite steals that you've had, and you mentioned the JMU one at the Robin Center. We talk about the one at Kentucky where you stole it in the behind the back pass to Blake um, for the layup. How about that one in that situation with that game on the line, considering the comeback, considering the ceremony before the game, where in the conversation will that that steal rest? Probably number one. Uh, definitely number one. Uh, I think given the, the circumstances, obviously, with the, the ceremony at the beginning, but, you know, to, to come back how we did, um, to, for it to be, you know, kind of just a, a one-on-one play with, with me and 
I think a guy who's going to be a pro, um, you know, I, I, I'm happy with the outcome. So I'd say it's probably number one. Uh, go off path a little bit here. Why do you think you guys have been so successful against prolific scorers uh, like Ryan Rollins, like like Green the other day at, at Northern Iowa? I know Isaiah did a lot of it, but as Coach said, that that's a team effort. Yeah, uh, definitely a team effort. But we've also got some pretty good individual defenders. I mean, Zay's, you know, he's, he's an annoying defender. He pesters you for sure. Um, but then you're able to, to put Jai on him. Um, obviously, Jai wasn't able to play last game, but against A.J. Green, he was fantastic. Crabtree was able to guard Rollins a little bit yesterday. Um, you know, getting Goose back will help. But, you know, in situations with ball screens, our, our bigs have been good. You know, I think everybody challenges shots at the rim. Um, so as, as a team, I think we've been pretty good defensively. Absolutely. All right, how about the last one with 2.5, and they're inbounded from their baseline, and they throw that baseball pass to, to Shoemate. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, we kind of just tried to, you know, hold our ground, like figure put Zay on one side, me on the other side, and then kind of have Nate play the middle. Um, and they threw it to a pretty good spot. Uh, I feel like, you know, they threw it to an area that nobody really was at. Uh, Tyler was obviously trying to stay with Shoemate, but, you know, I think he, he lost the ball a little bit on his way down, probably because of Zay trying to jump up and touch it. Uh, and I was, I was able to just get my hands on it and deflect it. Uh, set off a wild celebration at the end, a, cel- a, a, a loudness we hadn't heard in, like, well, maybe two hours since uh, you were saluted in, in the pregame with uh, that terrific ceremony. Uh, what was your emotion through that? And was it difficult then to kind of start the game and get back into your zeroed-in mindset of playing the Toledo Rockets? Yeah, uh, I obviously wanted to, to not make it focused on the ceremony at the beginning of the game. Obviously, you want to get off to a good start. Um, or you run into a situ- situation like we did and you're, you know, you're down. 15 or 17 here early um so that wasn't the goal um but it definitely was probably a little difficult for for me and the team you know to to adjust from you know what we're used to you know going to warm-ups and then getting right into the the pre-game ritual and then going straight to the tip um so the ceremony probably threw us a little bit off but you know it's a tough situation but we got to be better from the jump uh, chris you knew what was coming you knew the ceremony was coming obviously did you have that concern at all that something like that could happen whether it did or didn't and we're not trying to make excuses here you've mentioned it toledo did a did a great job but that was a pretty emotional moment for jacob and for the rest of his teammates yeah i uh not really i i you know we have uh especially these this particular class we've had the thousand points and um different you know times to honor them and senior nights over the years and things like that so i didn't really feel like i wasn't maybe i should have been but i wasn't necessarily worried that it would be a slow start or that would be that would be difficult to overcome um so i've learned for the next time <laughs> but but, uh, but what do you do about it i mean i'm not yeah, sure what you can really do you, you want to have it it's deserved uh i don't know what you do yeah exactly and you know um yeah it was important to to me as you know uh as jacob's coach to make sure that we you know had a, a great ceremony and uh did the best the best thing with, that we could and give the fans a chance to kind of celebrate you know that a richmond spider has a an ncaa record so yeah i, I wouldn't necessarily change it but uh I, I didn't think the game would start like that i i mean uh not many games start like that you know i mean seven zero is one thing but 13 zeros is uh is that what it was? Thirteen zero. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty bad. Yeah. So, what were you thinking at that point, Jacob? When it's thirteen nothing? I know you talked pretty eloquently with Greg Beckwith on on TV on the post game show about it. Obviously, you know we've come come back from some deficits before, but I think really, really we got horrible shots to start the game. I think our first possession ended up in a 
like two seconds on the shot clock, we had to have Tyler throw up a three. Uh, we didn't get many good shots to start the game. Obviously, we weren't great defensively, but usually we have, you know, a couple guys that can bail us out on the offensive end, and, you know, it's, it's not 13-0, it's 13-4, 13-6, something manageable. Um, so, you know, to be down 13, you know, we just figured we had to buckle down. Well, how did you buckle down? What what changed other than, as I said with Coach, draining eight three-pointers in, in a pretty much a blink of an eye in the second half? Yeah, Coach... He got on us a little bit at halftime. <laughs> um, but, you know, we came out with some energy. Uh, I would say that was probably one of the most passionate games I've – or most mo- most emotional games I've ever had uh, here. We're in a, a Richmond jersey. So I think, you know, the guys fed off of it a little bit. But we were we were pretty energetic. You know, at the end of the day, we had to, had to get stops, and luckily we were able to. Uh, go back and recreate the last three that you hit on the one when Isaiah, you know, has his shot blocked and has the presence of mind to – get the ball back out to you you're you're laughing about that uh, <laughs> i mean you got a thousand point score a thousand point score a thousand point score tyler burton and you got isaiah in the post and we decided to throw it down to him and, and let him make a post move for us <laughs> down one uh, so it was just a it was a funny sequence uh, i don't know how he ended up with the baller or why we thought that was the best option for us but you know he, he made a pretty good move i think rollins defended it pretty well i think rollins jumped the first time and was able to get a quick second jump in and block the shot. But, um, you know, Zay came up with the rebound and was kind of like hot potato, just threw it to me. Uh, shot clock was winding down, and, you know, I was fortunate to make a shot. What did you see as that play was unfolding there, Chris? I think Jacob just did a great job of describing where the ball shouldn't have gone, and it wound up going. <laughs> yeah, well, Isaiah was on the on the other side of the court, and Grant and Jacob were uh, playing a bit of a two-man game. And uh, Isaiah cut behind his defender, and, you know, Grant didn't throw it to him in the lane for a layup, uh, but he threw it to him by the time he got on the on the block. You know, and then they they didn't react to that. You know, they just let uh, Rollins guard him one-on-one in the post. And he actually made a, he made a great move. Um, but Rollins made an even better defensive play. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, he, he just made kind of a more random cut, and Grant saw him, but like I said, threw it to him on the block, and he didn't, it wasn't for a layup. Uh, but, yeah, made a great Again, he made a good move, and then he made a great play, kind of you know throwing it right ball, right out to Jacob. Before we go to the break, Jacob, so now that it's in the books, now that it's a 19-point rally, and we're still digging, I think, to find the last time, if there was a time, that the Spiders rallied from 19 down. I've been here a long time, but I can't remember one to actually win the game. So we're, we're digging on that one. But what can this do for you guys? I would say, Jacob, as experienced as you guys are, you've seen everything there's possibly there to see in college basketball, but that's not true because we hadn't seen it come back from 19 down. What does that do for this team moving forward? Um, obviously shows that we can compete and come from, you know, down a good amount of points. Obviously 19 is a, a stretch. I uh, don't need to be down 19, but I think it just shows us that we have to come out and, and play better uh, from the jump. You know, I think we were probably, I probably was lackadaisical from the tip. I probably should have grabbed the ball off the tip and, you know, it was kind of a little bit sluggish and that's probably what led us to have a bad start. Um, so we just need to be better from the jump. Um, any other reasons you can put your finger on for that? And again, not trying to make excuses. You've been off all week, the travel, the exams. I know the other teams are doing the same thing right now as well. Yeah, those, those are the excuses. <laughs> but, you know, we just have to be better, and that's what it's going to come down to. All right, we've come to halfway through our program. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We will honor Jacob Gillier with the record he set. You'll hear the record-setting steal, and we'll talk with Jacob about that as well. And we will look ahead to what's next for the Spiders coming up. Halfway through, behind the web, from World of Beer and Short Pump on the home of the Spiders, 106.1 ESPN.
Holidays are here. Let's get back to the show. Behind the Web presented by World of Beer and Short Pump. Once again, here's Bob Black on the Spider Sports Network and 1061 ESPN. On the left side, into the corner, A.J. Green. Bounce pass back to Henry and a steal by Jacob Gilliard who raises his hand in the air with the index finger number one because the 5'9 Gilliard is now the tallest in the land when it comes to steals. The NCAA's all-time career steals leader, Jacob Gilliard, 386. We have witnessed history, and it's been great to see Jacob Gilliard do his thing. And the best news of it all, he's doing it in front of his mom and dad and his family are here from Missouri to watch this game. And congratulations, Jacob. And they are holding up a sign. His family is three numbers, 386. For Jacob Gilliard, he has passed John Linehan of Providence, the all-time Division I steals leader. So Jacob Gilliard was Greg Beckwith right. The best part of that was being able to do it in front of family and friends who had come to see at Northern Iowa last Sunday. Yeah, uh, it was great. I had probably more family and friends at, at the Drake game in Iowa. It's a little closer. But, you know, to, to be able to have my mom, dad, and, and brother at the game was definitely huge for me. Were you getting a little worried there? I mean, we were down to like two <laughs> minutes to go in the game, for crying out loud. Nice drama. Uh, it was it was stressful. Um, there was a play earlier in the game where a guy like went up for a dunk and lost it, and it like just flew up and I got it. And so I didn't know if it was a steal or a rebound or what was going on. So I didn't want to you know overreact, but um, it was it was definitely a little stressful at the at the end of the game. Like man, I don't know if I have one. Your family would have been really mad at you if they'd come all that way. You didn't get one steal, you know. And then Tyler Burton like trash talked you on the post game show. He's like the day. Gilliard gets the record. I had three times as many steals as him today. Because <laughs> I think he had three steals in that game, and, and you had the one. I'm glad it was a clean steal, though, for all of us, for your sake, for, for everybody else's sake. Again, and you've said this over and over again, Chris, the number of steals that he's had that have been an impactful moments of the game is is real incredible i know he's obviously out of 391 a lot of them just come within the course of the game but so many of them literally help decide the outcome yeah amazing um as i've said i've, I've missed about a quarter of them uh or 20 percent of them because you know even yeah i can't even anticipate them uh even still and uh a lot of them have you know that was you know, Northern Iowa, I think that game was probably seven or eight-point game at that time. But if they get a basket there, and uh, just so many of them have been uh, to end a run or, you know, to kind of seal the game uh, or to really almost seal the game, yeah, just incredible. How much of this do you think, Jacob, is just your quickness? How much of it is your intuitiveness? Uh, how much of it is you studying studying the opponent here? Um probably a combination of everything uh, I would say my quickness is probably the, the most beneficial thing but you know uh, I feel like I'm a, a couple steps ahead usually uh, on knowing the game plan and, and you know what, what guys are going to do on the court um, I think that's allowed me to get a, a good amount of steals you have uh, been here long enough that you've been here through the transition of the matchup defense into the straight man-to-man had that changed your approach defensively to what you've done over the years um, not, not probably not regarding steals. I think I, I go for you know the same or uh, the same type of steal, uh, mostly in the passing lanes. But you know I think the the transition from the the matchup to the just man to man has been better for us defensively um, in general. I think it's allowed me to be a better defender and it's allowed our team to be a better defensive team. 
what what's the next um, what's the next step? And and coaches mentioned this a lot that this this defense is still improving. That there's still ways to go defensively. What what happens next for this Richmond defense to be kind of at the level you want it to be, game in and game out? Uh, I think it's a mindset. You know, I think with uh, the efficiency that we score at, uh, most of the time I think we think of ourselves as an offensive team. Uh, in, in our playing style, we probably think of ourselves as an offensive, offensive team. But, you know, I think when we put our mind to it and really buckle down and guard guys, I think we're a really good defensive team. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, we need to be a defensive team first. Chris, what are you seeing defensively right now from your guys? Yeah, well, I think that, um, you know, for, I, don't, I don't know what the reason is necessarily, but we've, you know, we've gotten better as the year has gone on, uh, m- most years and, and defensively as well. Um, and I don't know if it's, you know, when we play against ourselves in the, in the preseason and those kinds of things, if we're slower to, to, <clears throat> to get moving, but because I thought we were far ahead at the beginning of this year than we had been the last two years. And we hadn't been terrible defensively. We've had some, um, you know, some parts of some games that haven't been as good as other parts, but we haven't been terrible. Uh, But I think we are going in that direction. You know, the last three teams have not scored a ton. It's been harder and harder for them to score, especially at key moments. Um, So I, I feel like, you know, you know, as Jacob said, offensively i feel like we're we're ahead of where we are defensively most most years uh and that's partly because of the emphasis on it and partly because of the workouts and the guys that we recruit and like um but i do think that we'll get to a point where we're a great defensive team this year uh you know it's always most importantly who the players are we have some really good defenders and then we have a lot of experience and maturity and age and pride and i think that'll all go into making us a, a great defensive team you know as as we move forward so the next opportunity to move forward with the defense will be friday night in charlotte you get a shot at an acc team in uh, north carolina state what kind of is the mindset of you guys going in to that one again this schedule was built for a reason it's got a lot of really good teams and teams that have been in the postseason an acc team like in north carolina state um now that you've got three in a row in your back pocket what's kind of the approach friday night uh, Got to win. You know, I, I think we've had option or opportunities to, to win bigger games in, in resume builders, but you know, this I think this is the biggest one that we're going to have in the rest of the non-conference. You know, got to win it. Uh, got a couple of texts actually along those lines. Really, no questions. Just congrats on the Steels record. Looking forward to watching you guys play in person on Friday night. From another one of our our Charlotte fans. How different has that been this year? I mean, you're back to having crowds, whether it's a loud, raucous crowd that helps you win, like uh, Saturday night was, or a loud, raucous crowd on the road that's trying to bring their team back, like, quite frankly, Wofford was. I thought that was one of the better atmospheres on the road that we've seen. Yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, I think, you know, last year was a little difficult for everybody. But, you know, in, in games like, you know, uh, Saturday night, we would have struggled with no crowd. I think their, their energy, you know, sparked the run that we had. Um, and obviously, on um, road games, uh, Wofford's crowd was great. Uh, super fun, hostile environment for sure. Um, but it's great to come up with a win in an environment like that. So it's just great for college basketball. I do remember a couple instances in the Wofford game. You were inbounding the ball on the baseline, and you had their students right behind you, breathing down your neck. And I think I said on the air, because their place is called Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium, and I said, this is not Cameron Indoor Stadium, <laughs> but it's pretty close right now to Jacob Gilliard, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it definitely felt like it uh it were, i think it was my brother's birthday and somebody was telling me to tell my little brother happy birthday it was just 
It was it was it was pretty it was pretty wild, but you know you love it for sure. <laughs> hey, finish up with you, Jacob. We'll let you uh, obviously get on your way here. Um, what's this year been like for this team and the individuals on this team? There are twenty of you this year, and that is, you know, and coach has talked many many times about you know how am I going to get all these guys in games? But take us even beyond the games. How a group of twenty basketball players are kind of living with each other for the next four or five months. Uh, it's it was a little strange at first. Uh, we're, we've always been a pretty tight knit group, um, so to add you know a, a couple more guys to it, uh, it was a little different at first. But you know you want to bring the young guys along, uh, obviously make sure they're getting reps on on the court. But off the court, you know, kind of take them under your wing and just show them the ropes of, of Richmond. You know, we've been here for for a little while, uh, but you know it's it's been great. You know, I'd say we're a big family for sure. Uh, how have the uh, freshmen that are that are being redshirt? right shirt at doing because obviously they're in a situation where they know they're not getting in games right now and and how you older guys are kind of trying to bring them along you know i i think they're really good basketball players uh you know i think if obviously if some of the guys wouldn't have returned a, a couple of the guys red shirt and probably would play right now um i think they're really good um and i think they have a good approach to it you know i think they're they're working every day uh approaching it the right way and, and just understanding that you know there's there's a lot to learn about college basketball and you know you got to take it one day at a time They've got a lot of really good teachers, yourself included. I know you said that steal against Rollins was your best. I assume, and you said this, that ceremony at the start of the game is one of your career and life highlights, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, to to be able to have a, a banner in the Robin Center or, you know, just the ceremony itself, even if it wasn't a banner, uh, the ceremony was great. And to be able to have my, my dad there was amazing. Really special. I know a lot of people in the audience were there Saturday night honoring you as well. Thank you for being with us tonight, Jacob. Let's go get him Friday night against NC State. We'll see you back here before the year is over. Jacob Gilliard. We'll be back with our final segment. Got some texts and emails and uh, questions for Coach Mooney. Coming up when we continue, if you've got a question or a comment, 327-0888, you can text it behind the web at richmond.edu. You can email it to you to us. Final segment next on 1061 ESPN. Confession. Keeping you up to date with Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street on 1061 ESPN. From Playfly, this is the Spider Sports Network. All right, welcome back to World of Beer. Bob Black with head coach Chris Mooney. Jacob Gilliard was our special player guest he stole his food and left that's 392 now for him no i'm kidding i'm kidding uh all right if you've got uh, questions or texts again uh 327-0888 to text us behind the web at richmond.edu kind of putting a wrap on just a thrilling great night at the robin center uh saturday night and the spiders will be back home next sunday afternoon against old dominion we'll get into that a little bit uh later and the Spiders, of course, at NC State on uh, versus NC State in Charlotte on Friday night. We'll talk about that in a moment. One last thing on the Toledo game, and I kind of hesitated to bring this up, Chris, but I've had several fans here tonight mention it. Jacob even asked during a time uh, commercial a little bit about it, uh, and I didn't see it because after the game, I'm watching you and Jacob Gilliard and the the fans celebrating. But I guess there was no traditional handshake between the teams after the game can you kind of shed some light onto what happened there yes so uh before the game uh the coach of toledo told kevin hovde our assistant that 
just to let you know, we don't shake hands after the game. I assume a COVID protocol after playing a 40-minute basketball game. <laughs> but um, And then, of course, the way the game unfolded and ended after the game, the, the head coach and I shook hands, uh, but their team and the rest of the coaches just walked off. And it was a, you know fairly offensive to our players and um, you know seemed unusual. And so Kevin Hubby had mentioned it to me right before the tip, uh, and so I didn't necessarily think anything of it. Uh, but no one had communicated it to you know uh, to Jason Vita, our sports information, to our trainer, to our strength coach. You know, usually would have somebody who's in the position relay it to the to the next people in the position or in their position on the other team. So um, yeah, so I, it was not as it was not an unsportsmanlike um, deal. It was it was just something that they've been doing this year that we did last year. No nobody shook hands before or after the game after playing a 40-minute basketball game uh, against one another and huddling, you know, 15 times during the game. But we didn't we didn't do the handshake last year, and so they have continued that, I guess. So far, most of all the other teams we've played have, have reintroduced the handshake post-game. Uh, so I think it was more a matter of miscommunication, and the game unfolded. It seems very... You know, it seemed a little bit bitter or, or unsportsmanlike, but I don't. It, it was not that. I just don't think it was communicated well enough from their their squad to our squad. Yep. All right. Good to good to clear that one up because I did have several uh, fans. Uh, John Moreau being one, uh, has got his thumbs up. He wanted the answer to that, so so he got it. So uh, when we go to Toledo next year, we'll we'll know whether to shake hands. Or Absolutely. Not. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, stealing things, and you mentioned our strength coach and our our trainer, uh, Jason Vita. I hope I can tell this story a little bit out of school about the basketball from the record-setting game. Uh, I think you know this story at this point. So, you know, Jacob breaks the record against Northern Iowa, and the game ends, and Jason Vita, our PR guy, is looking all over the place for the game ball because you want to keep that game ball, whether we're going to give it to Jacob or when we actually uh, put it in the concourse for folks to see, fans to see when they came in Saturday night. So Jason scrambles around in the concourse of Northern Iowa's building and finds one of their assistant coaches, who obviously is not in the greatest, happiest of moods at the moment, and says, hey, do you got the game ball? I need, I need, We need to take the game ball. And I guess the assistant coach kind of looks over and sees a basketball over there and just picks it up and goes, yeah, this was the game ball, and hands it to Jason. Like, Jason's not going to know the difference if it was or it wasn't, and Jason takes it and goes quickly into the locker room, and when he gets into the locker room – there is standing Jay DeMeo, our strength and conditioning coach, holding the actual yeah. game ball because the first thing he did when the buzzer sounded was run out on the court and grab the game ball, right? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Authenticity uh, was very important and uh, not surprising. Uh, Jay would, would uh, take a bullet for Jacob uh, or Grant or any of those guys in Richmond basketball, and uh, I'm not surprised that he was the one that was able to, to – retrieve that thing very quickly yep so we do have the legitimate game ball that uh i imagine will end up in jacob gilliard's hands or on display at the robin center as it did saturday night moving forward great work though jason vita well <laughs> well done and well played and if we didn't have the real game ball nobody would have known we right. just we would have just called it the real i, I game might ball. say a step slow jason vita <laughs> that he, he might have heard <laughs> i know his high school coach his bad high school basketball coach and i think a step slow might have happened a couple of times during the course of his career All's well that ends well, both that game and Saturday night at the Robin Center as well. All right, you do have uh, basically a week here, Chris. Um, finals are, are winding down. 
How do you kind of handle getting the guys ready for Friday night? So tomorrow is the last day of finals, uh, and so I visited with Miss Courtney today, and she had a few guys uh, in with her or around. Uh, so right down to the right down to the wire, mm-hmm. uh, there are not only tests but some some assignments that are due or papers due to be handed in. So uh, we're still working through that. Uh, so what we had, uh, a, you, know, you know, our time is just more limited w- during these days, and the uh, the school has been has been great. We've been able, you know, we haven't had to be totally off. And we've talked about it's good for the guys to go in and get a sweat, get their mind off, take a shower, and go back to studying. Uh, so we'll have another short workout tomorrow. Then Wednesday, Thursday, we'll practice here and head down to Charlotte after Thursday's practice. All right, give us a, a, a thumbnail um, early in the week, of course, on, on NC State. Uh, I don't know if you watched their game yesterday live with Purdue. You're obviously going to watch it on tape eventually. I did find myself tuning into it and, and watching it. Found myself rooting for NC State, actually, when they were up 11 in the second half. Um, did, you, did you watch them yesterday against Purdue? They had a great opportunity to knock off the number one team in the country and uh, unfortunately fell short in overtime. Yeah, I, I did. I did not. I, I, I try not. Right. No Eagles, so it was right. tempting. That's but, why uh, I was watching college <laughs> basketball. You're right. Um, I did not. Uh, but they were ahead, and then they didn't win the game. Boy, that doesn't. Huh. That doesn't the... <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I can't <laughs> yeah. believe that could happen. Yeah. No, uh, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're very good. I haven't. I've only looked uh, mm-hmm. at at some of the statistics and things, but you know, really good. They've recruited very well. They have uh, an, an, another. Uh, they have a pro on their roster. Um, you know, great size, length, athleticism—what uh, you would expect out of a of an ACC team. So this will this will be a tall order. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to today. Um, you know, we had we had really good workouts, energized, and and guys were in and out quickly, but really good workouts. You know, I kind of stay to the side on those and let you know uh, after halftime on on Saturday, just let the dust settle a little bit, and then. So I'm excited to, to begin, you know, preparation again on Wednesday. <laughs> I'll, I'll pry a little bit. Why not? It's probably been a while since you've had one of those kind of half times, isn't it? Especially with this older group. Yeah, it right? has been a long time. Yeah. It has been a long time. It came back to you, though, didn't it? <laughs> Mark McGonigal said <laughs> that it, those used to be when we were up six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Times yep. have changed. Yep. But but you got to pick your spots. In all seriousness, you do have to kind of pick your spots, particularly with a more veteran team, for what what could potentially motivate them or help them within the course of a game. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that you know, number one, uh, you know, this is such a unique situation. It's a unique around the country, but it's most unique to us and our guys making the decision to come back. Uh, you know that uh, it's uh, that that their decision is never far from me and 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 my thought process and. Um, you know, and and how much I appreciate that, and and I'm not shy to say it in front of all the players. And you know, there's it's not a different set of rules for one guys, but but uh, six of these guys, but for the four scholarship guys, they they've uh, they they've handled everything that's come their way and and in an incredible fashion. So they get a lot more credit. They don't they're not going by different rules, but they have a lot of more a lot more credit. So yeah, but I think so. I think it can't be. Um, you know, I, I think there, there's a relationship there, much more than it is, you know, uh, you know, X's and O's, or somebody didn't do the right thing, or, you know, my perception that we're not trying hard enough. You know, there, there, it's it's a lot deeper and more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those these guys are self motivated as it is, and a uh, big reason they came back was to be part of all of it, not not just <laughs> not just uh, blowout wins, but 
tough games, hard first halves, all those things, and I, and I think they've uh, you know they've they've been true to that. I bet they knew it was coming uh, before <laughs> you walked in the locker. Room. Come on now, like you said, they've yeah. been here long enough. Right. <laughs> they, they've they've seen that they've seen that before and probably accepted it. And obviously, it it worked to to our advantage on Saturday. Hey, how did this one come about? Uh, this is a really neat uh, quadruple header that you're a part yeah. of in Charlotte, and the game preceding us is another really good one between St. Bonaventure and Virginia Tech. Yeah, so this is a uh, Hall of Fame uh, classic celebration. So the Hall of Fame has, uh, we've been in it a few years back when we played uh, up in Connecticut uh, outside the Basketball Hall of Fame. We played Carolina, yeah. uh, Louisville was in it, and Fairfield and Richmond. And um, they, they've, uh, they've expanded this, and they'll play a couple of triple headers or quadruple headers around the country. They've done it in uh, Chicago and in Denver, uh, and this one is in Charlotte. Um, so yeah, really, really cool. I, I can't think of the other two guys. I know Charlotte's playing somebody in uh, it. Charlotte's maybe Wake playing Forest. Wake Forest, and East Carolina's playing Liberty. I think okay. in the first game, like okay. at one or one thirty, something like that. So right. So uh, you know, all games have either an ACC team or a North Carolina team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a it's a great place. We're playing where the Hornets play. Uh, so yeah, this was these are the opportunities that we really need because you know scheduling is just so difficult. Uh, you know, it would be hard for us to to call uh, these teams and get a home and home. It just it's just uh, hard enough that it hasn't happened in a long time. And um, you know, th- th- these are great one-off games uh, that we'll continue to look for. And you know, when you're part of a day like that too, that uh, to me that's a that's a great part of of basketball. So you have uh, all these games that are going on, and um, you know, you can see the you know the the excitement level and the you know how good everybody is how talented everybody is before you even play uh all right we're going to wrap it up um by the way ivan did send his uh, traditional text he kind of wanted to know what changes made at halftime i think we just answered that question i'm going to save his other ones we're going to do a whole show on just the bigger issues of college basketball Great. today's topic was you know the transfer portal and how that's affecting things so we'll get into that as well i'll finish up with you I guess if you look at it, the uh, Toledo game was like one game in the span of 13 or 14 days from Northern Iowa. Yeah. Uh, now you're going to have two games in the span of three days. Um, how are you going to handle that? Yeah, the, again, that that's kind of a side effect of um, having to try to play the best schedule possible. Uh, you know, if if, it, if just Richmond cared about their schedule, it'd be a lot easier to yeah. do this. Uh, but since everybody seems to care about their schedule. Uh, so that that one is not uh, not the best part of this because we'll be in Charlotte and we have an evening game and then come back and then only one day prep and play in the afternoon against Old Dominion. So it's one of those trade-offs that we have to make um, uh, if we want to have a really good schedule. You know, we 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 have to honor our contract with Old Dominion and and uh, their program, and we have to take the advantage of this opportunity. So it puts us in a position that no coach wants to be in. Uh, but these, you know, these are the, you know, when we came back from the Bahamas, we had a quick turnaround to mm-hmm. go to two road games. And so uh, that's the way it goes. That's that's uh, that's what's called for, and that's what we have to be ready to do. I think experience will help win out on that as well. I think these guys will understand it and kind of figure out how to do it, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I hope so. And they've, they've been great with we, – we mentioned the, the travails of some of the travel yeah. that we've had, and they've, they've handled all those things very well. 
Uh, great night tonight. Appreciate everybody who's been in the house and certainly appreciate Jacob Gilliard being here and you as well, Coach Mooney. Thanks. We'll uh, see you in Charlotte Friday. Sounds great. Thank you, Bob. Thank, Thank you, you all for being appreciate here. It. Be sure to take care of your servers while you're here. They're working hard for you guys here tonight as well. We're off the next two weeks. We're back the first Monday in January of 2022. We'll talk to you Friday from Charlotte. You've been listening to Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street, featuring head men's basketball coach Chris Mooney. Tonight's show has been brought to you by CarMax, Lux Chevrolet, World of Beer, and by Cabell Childress Group. Join us throughout the college basketball season for Behind the Web, presented by World of Beer in Short Pump. Thanks for listening, and stay in touch with Richmond Athletics on the flagship station of the Spider Sports Network, ESPN Richmond. Executive producer Mitchell Bradley. This has been a presentation of PlayFly Sports in association with Richmond Sports Properties. Your home 